You're listening to another episode of The Zag. Eric Sobe here, excited to be joined today by Brenda Lopez-Romero, 2017 NLC Atlanta Fellow. She's also the first American Latina elected to the Georgia General Assembly. She's also the Senior Assistant District Attorney for the Gwinnett Judicial Circuit. Lots to talk about with her about what's going on in that state and what's been her experience as an elected. Thanks for tuning in this episode. Let's get to it. All right, Brenda, great to connect with you. You know, we're about halfway through the NLC Institute for the 2022 Fellows. was curious what you remember about your NLC experience from 2017. Well, I was um, mostly excited about the group of people that were there um, and really the different tracks that they were all leading. Some folks in business, of course, you know, some folks in political policy work and uh, some folks that were really just trying to figure out how it is that they could use uh, their careers, their professional backgrounds, their skills uh, to really engage a, a broader audience. And so I think that that is one of the main things that I remember during this time, during the time that I was in NLC. And when you were in the cohort, did you already have knowledge and aspirations of running for office? Were you already in office? Kind of describe to people where you were in terms of that decision. Well, I was actually, I had already ran once and had been elected. And actually during that time, I was in my re-election campaign mm. and we were also in legislative sessions. So uh, it was a pretty hectic time, like most times when I was in legislative session. Yeah, I can I can believe it. Well, in, in terms of being an elected official now, I, I know for folks that don't live in, in Georgia, Georgia popped up in newspaper headlines and CNN headlines quite a bit. What would you want people to know about what's going on in your state? Or maybe what are some of the misunderstandings that folks have who don't live there about what's going on there? Sure. Two things, I would say, especially as it relates to us really becoming that political universe in the 2020 cycle with the runoff elections that we had, the uh, ability for us to send two uh, Democratic senators to uh the U.S. Senate and and just that, you know, that seemed and I've heard from people that that we popped out of nowhere. Um, so part of the misunderstanding is that that happened out of nowhere. That, of course, is not true, has never been true about anything. There has been over 20 to 25 years engagement by a lot of local nonprofit organizations, advocacy organizations and advocacy groups that have been pushing voter education, voter registration, and not only the ones you hear in the limelight also of the news, but really localized groups, not only in Metro Atlanta, but also throughout our state and in one of the other larger um, cities, Columbus, Augusta, uh, Dalton, uh, Valdosta, you know, these places where people have been organizing for years in their localized communities where, you know, basically the unsung heroes. And so what we saw happen here in Georgia in 2020 uh, was not just the the moment in time it, it wasn't just um you know the unfortunate situation with trump at the time it really has been a culmination of, of a lot of work by a lot of people over two decades and so that is one thing that i always want to highlight the other thing of course that i hear a lot when people um don't know about our state is that they don't realize 
the real diversity that we have here beyond the black and white context, right? And sort of the concerns that we've had, not concerns, but our history, and it's a rich history that we've had of civil rights movement and particularly um, within the African-American community. But beyond that context, our state is no longer a conversation of diversity between um, you know, black and white communities, but instead we're a rich tapestry of Asian-American Pacific Islander groups, of um, Latino communities from a lot of um, various um, Latino backgrounds. We have a huge diaspora of African um, immigrants as well. And not only in Metro Atlanta, but quite frankly, throughout the state, you know, we've different communities have settled throughout the state uh, for various economic reasons, right? Industry reasons. And so those are the two big disnomers um, that I experience or hear when I've been outside of the state. Uh, this notion that, um, you know, maybe it was a fluke that last 2020, but for, for what it is, is, is a trend, the trend of the very much the changes that have already occurred in Georgia and in the South generally. And then when you're out at different community meetings, different community functions, just out in the community, really, what are the one or two things people are talking the most about or talking to you the most about? Well, for this year, of course, um, what is back is our midterm elections and the fact that once that we now that we've gotten to U.S. senators, um, Democratic senators out of the state, we want to make sure we take back the governor's office. And, you know, the Stacey Abrams campaign for governor is going to be the national conversation that we have. And of course, the reelection of Warnock as well. But um, but I think that those are going to be the key national issues. But of course, for me personally, I'm also focusing on the local electeds, the ones that are going to a less state legislature, because um, even when we win the governor's office, we are, you know, we still have to continue to push to change the dynamics in our state legislature and in our local offices. When we come back with Brenda, we'll talk a little bit more about ways folks can get involved and support the causes happening in Georgia. Thanks for listening to this episode. We'll be right back. And as you're listening to folks, are they talking the most about COVID and support for COVID? Are they talking the most about housing and rents? Is it something else with inflation? What do you hear most frequently is impacting people day to day? Sure. I think the conversations now have switched, um, of course, to the economic concerns uh, and things as they relate to the conflict that we've seen with Ukraine. But quite frankly, even before then, it was still beginning to have a conversation of the economy, right? Um, we have a healthy, steady, growing economy. We have had great um, economic markers here in terms of full employment and continual job growth. But of course, we still have to push for more um, wa wage equity. We still have to push for, for more equity across the board to access to opportunities, access to economic development, access to uh, better education at, at an affordable price. And so those are concerns that we've be be begun to hear more so than you know the conversations we've had over the last two years about health and public health access as it relates to COVID. You know, I'm curious, I was talking to an elected official out here in Los Angeles where I'm based, and we were chatting a little bit about how his constituents get their news, like what are the news sources that they pay most attention to. Do you have a sense for your own constituents and folks that you engage with in the community, where, where are folks getting information most often these days? Well, you know, I don't know that, and that is one of the, the 
things that makes things makes communications and messaging much more difficult nowadays is that there is no one single stream where people really get their information and or their news. Of course, you still have individuals that get their standard news from from standard uh, print and and television news. But of course, you know the world has become digital, and a lot of uh, a lot of people get their same kind of news, but from on from the digital side. Um, but they also get a lot of their news from you know what we're doing here today. A lot of individual um, podcasts, a lot of individual. Uh, accounts there on on social medias. And of course, you know, with that is always the concern about what sort of information and where we've had concerns about disinformation or misinformation. And, and I think that that's, you know, something that we we have to take a look at, uh, especially as um, government and electeds, that we have to make sure that we're providing information across different spectrums. And the other, uh, going back to my initial comment about the, the diversity of our state, um, the reality is that a lot of different uh, communities here require in-language yeah. news. And so many people still get their their news, particularly or information from broadcastings through through channels from their home countries, whether they do that through satellite television, whether they do that through some network t- network cable that already provides uh, those resources. And of course, you know, some people continue to utilize the, the digital aspect of information sharing to uh, see the news of, of their home country. And and that, um, of course, is, is the information is is you know not always different, but there are differences. And so uh, I, I think that that is something we have to keep in mind. There's not one single stream or source of information nowadays. And last thing, if folks wanted to support the good work that you're doing in Georgia or the good work that others are trying to do in Georgia, both electorally and just for community organizing in general, what would you recommend that they check out so they can be supportive? Well, I always ask people to support local groups and local organizations, right? Um, and, and that includes nonprofits. So I would say if you're interested, for example, in, in the political space, then contribute to your local uh, county committees, right? Not to your state party, um, not, but rather to the local folks actually doing the work. If you're, uh, you're interested in, in that area still, I would say contribute to your local candidates again. Many people are going to contribute to Stacey Abrams and, and those limelight um, statewide and national candidates. But, you know, your school board member needs needs contributions, your, you know, your state legislature. When we get into municipal elections, you know, your city council people. And these are the ones that, you know, aren't, aren't so glitzy and you don't get all the excitement, but they're equally, if not more important for different reasons. And so I would say, depending on where you are, Find out who those local folks are that you want to support or those local organizations. I would say the same is true of nonprofit organizations. There's a lot of local organizations that put in a lot of work um, that really work with uh, shoestring budgets or, you know, not 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 such big budgets, uh, but they do a ton of work. And when I say contributions, of course, financial contributions are always important and necessary. But I also uh, tell people that there's three things you can do, and that is you can give of your time, talent and, of course, your treasure. So if you have, you know, a special talent or if there's something within your work capacity that you're able to share with these uh, local groups or, or, or local candidates, then you should do that. And of course, you know, contributing of your time and volunteering is is always important um, here, specifically in Georgia, for example, a lot of the organizations that are doing and, and again, not 
not just this cycle, um, not not the 22 cycle, uh, but rather that have been working for the last two decades, organizations such as uh, Asian Americans Advancing Justice, GLAR, which is the Georgia Association, Latino Association for Human Rights, and you have Galeo, the, the Georgia... Uh, Latino elected officials or organization and, you know, organizations like that, uh, that are really working on the ground and, and have been working on the ground. I will, you know, do a word of cautious because we, uh, we saw that happen, especially in the 2020 cycle. And we're still beginning to see this now with this cycle is that there's a lot of larger groups and especially national groups that, um, take a lot of credit and more credit than they probably deserve about how impactful their work has been in our state. And that's why I urge people to contribute to the local county committees, to the local organizations, because the, the, the reality and the truth is that national organizations are not what are shifting Georgia. They are not the ones that help elect anybody in our state. Um, that doesn't mean that they didn't, you know, pitch in their grain of salt, but it was a grain of salt in the efforts that we've been doing here locally. Well said. Brenda, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks to everyone for listening to this episode of The Zag. Make sure to catch all episodes of our wonderful podcast featuring NLC alums that are dropping all the time. Get those in all the places you find your podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at the Zag Podcast. More episodes coming soon. We'll also be dropping a couple that will be themed specifically for our upcoming convention. NLC convention is returning in person. It's in Philly in July, starting July 21st. Details to come, but we're going to catch up with our NLC alum Philly crew and let them talk up that wonderful city. So stay tuned. Don't miss it. And until next time, we'll catch you soon.